We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. If someone were to ask you what's the most dangerous philosophy, the most dangerous worldview on the face of the earth, what would you say? Well, the United Nations now has an answer. And guess what? It's conservative Christianity. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Today's story focuses on a recent report that was put out by the United Nations. In fact, if you want to verify the news that I'm bringing you today, you can go to the United Nations website and Google this. You can find the details because they have a report there, a report that says that they are going to bring forth recommendations in their upcoming Human Rights Committee meeting where they're going to identify the worldview that they think is serving as a threat to human freedom and human dignity across the face of the earth. And that worldview is Christian fundamentalism. Now, when they use the word fundamentalism, they mean it pejoratively. I've talked to you about this before. Christian fundamentalism historically was nothing more than the fundamentals of Christianity, the defense of the basic tenets of Orthodox Christianity. Over time, it has been manipulated, both by the church and those outside the church, to mean something negative. At first, it was synonymous with anti-intellectualism. It was the evangelicals who believed in college education, who believed in a robust exchange of ideas, who believed that the Christian faith could withstand questions. And I put myself in that camp. I do believe that the Christian faith can withstand any question. History, reason, tradition, experience, all of these things, all of these things prove the Christian message, the Christian story, the Christian narrative proved the Bible true and accurate and real, inerrant and fallible. So if you want to divide the camp into anti-intellectuals versus intellectuals, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way, nor should anybody receive it as that, using your mind, using your intellect, asking good questions— And in fact, I think that's what we should be doing with this Asbury Revival thing right now. There's nothing wrong with asking a question. And it's interesting, isn't it, that those who are so rabidly in favor of accepting this revival at face value resent the fact that someone such as yours truly asks a question. And they equate that with the quenching of the Holy Spirit. They'll throw the Holy Spirit trump card down on the debate and try to silence you and embarrass you and shame you into silence as if somehow you're casting stones at the work of the Spirit. Quote-unquote, I was accused of that this past weekend by a Facebook follower. Just because I'm asking questions. So, fundamentalism versus intellectual inquiry. If the distinction there is, well, you just have to accept it because the pastor said it's true. I agree, fundamentalism, if that's the way it's defined, should be critiqued. 
But that isn't the way it was initially presented. The, the fundamentals of the faith, some say there were 12, some say there were more, depends on what historical record you go back to to, to analyze the fundamentalist movement. But essentially, it was a presentation of the fundamentals, the creedal essentials of the church, and why we needed to defend those and stand by those and not compromise those. That was fundamentalism. But today, it's been politicized to the extent that if you're a Christian fundamentalist, you're akin to an Islamic fundamentalist. You're crazy. You're violent. You're dangerous. You're an extremist. That's the problem with what's going on in the United Nations, and that's the problem with what's going on in a lot of the conversation today with regard to Christianity. So today's show focuses on this story coming out of the United Nations where they have identified a certain sect of Christianity. And you want to know what it is? It's premillennialists. If you're a premillennialist, if you're an evangelical premillennialist, then you're dangerous, according to the United Nations. Now, when they've identified you as dangerous, what do you think the next thing is going to be? What's the next shoe to fall? If you're dangerous and the United Nations is declaring you so, they're not just going to leave that dangling out there in midair. They're going to have recommendations as to what to do about you. So that's today's topic. If Christians are now identified as dangerous, if your worldview is now a threat to human peace, freedom, dignity, if your worldview is a threat to the planet Earth because you are not decreasing your carbon footprint enough, your worldview actually exacerbates the problem. You're killing the Earth. You're killing the environment. You're the one responsible for climate change. And likewise, your worldview is responsible for intolerance. Your worldview is responsible for hate. Your worldview is responsible for war. You're responsible for everything because your worldview, your philosophy, your religion is bad. It's very, very bad. That's today's topic. So let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to share with you the specifics, at least some of them, coming out of the United Nations, as well as other examples around the world right now where they're actually labeling you silencing you and actually threatening to take your jobs away and maybe even put you in prison. I'm Dr. Everett Piper and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle and 
Every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. So welcome back to the Rebellion. I guess today's topic is really simple. Maybe the best way for me to summarize it as we get ready to run out the rest of the show here is to ask a basic question. And the question is this. What would you say if you were asked what the one worldview is that poses the greatest threat to life and liberty and to human flourishing? What would you say? Stop and think about it for a second. Would your answer be Marxism and its march across history that has left over 100 million men, women, and children dead in its wake? And that's a fact. Marxism has left over 100 million people dead across Russia, China, Cambodia, Cuba, uh, Vietnam. The list goes on and on and on. Marxism and neo-Marxism has left a wake of dead bodies across the path of human history. Or you might uh, say, if you were asked that question, if you were asked, what's the one worldview that poses the greatest threat to human life, human liberty, human flourishing? You might say, no, it's not Marxism. It's the Third Reich's socialism and the untold numbers of Jews that were executed in its quote-unquote work camps, such as Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen and Dachau and Buchenwald. You might say, well, those two are in the running, Marxism and the Third Reich's socialism, Hitler, and his hatred for anybody that didn't look like him or look like the ideal human being. Uh, Or you might say, no, no, it's neither of those. It's radical Islam, and it's bloodlust that's exemplified, personified, in groups like Boko Haram, Al-Qaeda, Abu Sayyaf, and the Afghan Taliban. Or some of you might say, no, it's the problem's even closer to home. We can't just focus on over there. We need to talk about what's going on even in the civilized world, the United States, Canada, etc. I mean, look at the violence and the shameless racial hatred of the KKK and BLM and Antifa and the Aryan Brotherhood. These worldviews are dangerous and hateful and violent. So the question I have, obviously here, is who would make the top of your list? If you were asked that question, what one worldview poses the greatest threat to life and liberty and human flourishing? Who'd make the top of your list? What organizations would you call the world's most dangerous? What philosophies would you suggest need to be watched or even policed because of their obvious threats to the human being? to our way of life, to prosperity, freedom. Now, lest you think that this is just a hypothetical or an academic exercise, it's not, okay? I've already told you that. I want you to consider that our betters in the United Nations have already answered this question for you. The worldview that they've declared to be the most dangerous of all the one way of believing and behaving that they think needs to be shut down in silence because of its threat to world peace is what? Biblical Christianity. And that's not, not hyperbolic, and that's not exaggeration. 
to prove my point, I want you to consider this story. It was reported last week in the Washington Times by a writer by the name of Cheryl Chumley. I recommend that you follow her and read her writing in the Washington Times. Cheryl, that's spelled with a C-H, C-H-E-R-Y-L-K, middle initial Chumley, C-H-U-M-L-E-Y, with the Washington Times. She writes frequently there, a number of times per week, usually in the opinion section. Here's what she said. In its upcoming 53rd meeting of the United Nations Human Rights Council, the UN is poised to release a report on the perceived contradictions, that's the UN's language, between the LGBTQIA agenda and religious teachings. This is coming straight from Chumley out of the UN's own report, off its own website. Chumley then goes on to cite that the UN's own website has announced that, quote, an independent expert, and that's capitalized, on the protection against violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, acronym SOGI, S-O-G-I, sexual orientation and gender identity. This independent expert will give an update on how to prevent violence against those who identify with the LGBTQ community. Close quote. Okay. Now, what do you think will be on that expert's list of violent extremists? Who do you think is going to be on the top of that expert's list? of those that are the most dangerous? Well, the UN answers that question for us. You don't need to scratch your head and wonder. Here's what, here's what the report says. The independent expert on SOGI, S-O-G-I, sexual orientation and gender identity, will explore the legal, political, and ethical dynamics between the human rights of persons with diverse sexual orientations and gender identities and the human right to freedom of religion or belief. Our report, says the United Nations, will examine long-established and emerging discourses driving perceived contradictions between the right to freedom of religion or belief and freedom from violence and discrimination. Close quote. You want me to read that to you again? I probably should. Because you need to t- attend. You need to pay attention to what they're actually saying in these documents, in these reports. Now listen, here's what it says. The independent expert, capital I, capital E, interesting, isn't it? On SOGI will explore the legal, political, and ethical dynamics between the human rights of persons with diverse sexual orientations and gender identities and the human right to freedom of religion or belief. It'll explore the legal, political, and ethical dynamics between somebody's sexual behavior, their choices to identify with a given way of living sexually, with your freedom of religion, your right to say, I don't think people should behave that way. I think that particular choice is wrong, unhealthy, and maybe even immoral. When they say they're going to explore the dynamics between those divergent worldviews, there's going to be a consequence at the end of that exploration. Okay, Back to their language again. Our report will examine long-established and emerging discourses driving perceived contradictions between the right to freedom of religion or belief and freedom from violence and discrimination. They just tied your religion to violence and discrimination. Okay? That's what they just did. 
That's in their language. So in case you just missed the obvious, what the smart folks at the pinnacles of power are saying is this. If you are an orthodox Christian who believes what the Bible says, you're bad. Very, very bad. And you represent one of the greatest threats to the international community's hell-bent determination to dumb down the definition of human identity to nothing more than the sum total of human inclinations and desires. They're defining people by virtue of their desires. They're dumbing down human identity to nothing but the sum total of human inclinations. They're saying if you want to do it, that's who you are. And they're saying that any religion that stands in the way of that new definition of what it means to be human is dangerous. And it's in conflict with human freedom, with human liberty, and with justice, social justice as they define it. That's what they're saying. So to state it another way, if you believe that none of us have to settle for being born that way, and that everyone can instead be born again, and therefore learn to actually control yourselves and be defined by your Lord rather than your libido. If you believe what I just said, that you don't have to say, well, I'm born that way. I'm born that way to do certain things that historically, for two or three millennia, have been declared wrong and immoral. I'm born to steal. I'm born to lie. I'm born to hate. I'm born to be a bigot. I'm born to fill in the blank, whatever aberrant behavior or thought. Sin, greed, lust, avarice, pride. I'm born to be prideful. If you don't want to settle for that degraded definition of what it means to be a human being, if you want to recognize that the gospel says you don't have to settle for being born that way, that you can be born again, and you can therefore learn to control yourself, be set apart, sanctified for holiness rather than debauchery, and you can be defined by your Lord rather than your libido. You can be defined by God rather than your gut that you have the thumbprint of God on your heart, mind, and soul. You're the Imago Dei. You're not the Imago Dog. If you believe any of this stuff I'm saying right now, then you are a bigot, a hater, a racist, a homophobe, and a potential perpetrator of their language, violence, and discrimination, close quote, against the entire human race. That's what this report is saying. Now, before you... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> say, well, that's just crazy talk coming out of the out-of-touch elites at the United Nations. We should get out of the United Nations anyway. These people are nut jobs. Before you go there, I want you to consider some other recent stories. Let's go to the land down under. Let's go to Australia. Well, why? Well, because Australia has historically been part of the free world. The United Kingdom, I mean, essentially, a handful of years ago, many people would have said that Australians were enjoying essentially the same freedoms as Americans, or Brits, or Canadians, right? You would have thought that. Before COVID, many of us probably would have put Australia in the free-thinking and free-living world. So I think it's important that we watch this, all right? Martin Isles, who is a brilliant guy, I, I follow him, you need to follow him likewise. Martin spelled with a Y, and Isles is I-L-E-S. Martin Isles reports this. 
that the police just last week in Australia declared that, this is a quote, the Christian fundamentalist belief system known as premillennialism, close quote, was responsible for a recent act of domestic terrorism in their country. Now, what's premillennialism? If you don't know, it's a basic evangelical belief. Not all evangelicals believe this. There are premillennialists, there are amillennialists, and there are postmillennialists. But premillennialism is basically the belief that in the end times, that the rapture will happen, Jesus will come again, there will be a second advent of Christ, and that this will most likely happen after the tribulation period, or maybe in the midst of the tribulation, that the rapture will happen, and then after Jesus comes again, after his second advent, there will be a 1,000-year reign of Christ and his kingdom on earth. A reign of peace, where Christ and his church will have the seat of power. And then ultimately, after that 1,000 years, there will be a final battle where Satan will be abolished. That's the premillennialist view. And many of you listening right now either knew you had that view, or now that you've heard it explained again, recognize that, well, that's not very far removed from what I've been taught in Sunday school in my church. And I think it's a legitimate and biblical view as to the end times. Eschatology, the study and the discussion of the biblical view of end times. So, are you a premillennialist? Or do you lean that direction? Well, if you live in Australia right now, that is a Christian fundamentalist belief system that is responsible for domestic terrorism in their country. So, apparently, the millennia old belief that the Prince of Peace will return to earth and reign for a thousand years now makes you a threat to world peace. Ironic, huh? Now, lest you think that this is just in the land down under, let's go to America's heartland. So you have this story in Australia where evangelicals that are premillennials are now being put in a box of potential terrorism. They're being defined. They're being put in this category of those that represent a threat, a domestic threat to the well-being of their country. This is happening happening in Australia. Let's go to America's heartland. Similar stories, you say, or you ask? Well, there's this story of Jacob Kersey. This hit the news last week. A, a Georgia police officer, he was recently forced to resign after sharing his Christian beliefs, shocking Christian beliefs, on his social media account on Facebook. And what were Kersey's terrible views that threatened <laughs> all freedom-loving Americans? That Okay, well, here it is. Here's his Facebook post, and I'm quoting verbatim. God designed marriage. Marriage refers to Christ and his church, and that's why there's no such thing as homosexual marriage. Close quote. He posted that on his private Facebook account while he was off duty and he was pulled in by his supervising officer and he was told to take it down, take that post down, or he could be terminated from his job. Now, he refused to take it down. All right, so you've got the story of Australia where Christians who identify with a very long-standing evangelical view of eschatology, the end times, 
were that there will be a tribulation period, there will be a rapture, and then after those two things happen, there will be a 1,000-year reign of the Prince of Peace on earth, Christ and his church. That makes you a domestic terrorist, if you believe that, in Australia. And then you have this story out of Georgia, where Jacob Kersey, a young police officer, has been forced to resign for posting, and I quote, God designed marriage, marriage refers to Christ and the church, and that's why there's no such thing as homosexual marriage, close quote. And that's not the end of it. Anybody who followed the Super Bowl knows that Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, you know what she tweeted? You know, it was when this commercial came out. There were two commercials during the Super Bowl, two ads that were about he gets us. Now, you know I'm not a fan of the theology behind or the lack of theology behind that particular marketing campaign. Bottom line, it's a campaign to get Jesus in front of the American public. Now, I'm a little anxious about it, if not a lot anxious about it, because I'm not too sure what Jesus it is they're talking about. But bottom line, these two commercials were fairly innocuous. One said something about Jesus would like us to act like little children again, the innocence and the, and the love and the openness that little children have toward one another. And it showed children being nice to each other. And the other commercial was essentially the opposite. It showed a bunch of adults screaming and yelling and fighting with one another. And it basically said, Jesus loves those people that we hate. So it was essentially trying to get us to recognize some of the positive messages that were taught by Christ. Now again, rather they were portraying Christ as the second person of the triune God, the word made flesh and dwelling among us, the only way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Whether they were sending out that message or not is yet to be debated. But that aside, even that innocuous, soft, kind, affirming Jesus, who just wants us to all get along and stop fighting with one another, even that portrayal of Jesus led AOC to tweet that those people who just spent a boatload of money, a ton of money, some reports are that $100 million is being spent on this campaign right now, that those wealthy Christians that have put that kind of money behind this campaign are, according to AOC, quote, making fascism look benign. Are you serious? So Christianity even in its softest form, as being portrayed in this ad campaign, is fascism. They're making fascism, Jesus, Christianity, the message of Christ. This ad makes fascism look benign. That, as stupid as that is, it's still frightening to think that's where we're going in our conversation in the United States. So you've got the United Nations saying that Christianity is in conflict with human freedom and human dignity. You've got Australia saying that premillennialism is akin to domestic terrorism and leading to it. And now you have this story coming out of Georgia where a police officer is losing his job because he merely posted a biblical truth 
that God designed marriage, marriage refers to Christ and the church, and that's why there's no such thing as homosexual marriage, close quote. And then you have AOC saying that Christians who spent tens of millions, if not a hundred million dollars, on an ad campaign about Jesus are making fascism look benign. Now, if you're tempted to dismiss all of this as little more than AOC's adolescent ramblings, this millennial bartender, how in the world she's accrued unto herself this much power should scare you. That's a different show for a different time. But if you're just going to dismiss it as the ramblings of a millennial bartender and a bunch of crazy Aussies, I think you're wrong. Keep in mind that these people are imbibing the UN Kool-Aid. They agree with the UN. And the UN agrees with them. And the power structure in Washington, D.C. agrees with these people. AOC is tweeting this nonsense. So I want to close. I want to close with the words of Martin Isles. He's the one that brought this report forward out of Australia. I want you to hear what Martin Isles is saying. Quote, We're living in a clown world. In ancient Rome, the authorities blamed Christianity for the evils of their day because they either hated it or were totally ignorant concerning it. I guess history can repeat itself. Close quote. Martin Isles. He who doesn't learn the lessons of history is doomed to repeat them. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.